Well, here we are for episode number three of our podcast of Notes with John. With a babble from Bob. And uh, today we'd like to begin as we uh, hope to be able to with each uh, of our episodes. Uh, Just a little uh, thing we've noticed about either our children or our grandchildren that's significant. A little shout out. Yeah. And uh, so the one I'd like to start with today is uh, last Sunday when we had a couple of our families over for dinner. After dinner, the basement was a mess. As always. As always, following those dinners. And um, we had uh, worked on our our podcast last week. And so we went out, and I was uh, starting to clean up the the, uh, basement. And my daughter Emily came down, and her son Bo was with her. Bo is 15. Yeah, and Emily said, Bo, help us clean this up. And I said to her, well, Emmy, she didn't, or he didn't, uh, you know, do any of this. And she said, that's okay, he can help anyway. And to Bo's credit, here he is, a 15-year-old, normal teenager, and he didn't put up uh, any fight, he didn't complain, he didn't whine didn't say, well, I didn't do it or anything else. He just went ahead and picked up a, a number of things and helped in the cleanup. I just thought that was impressive that a 15-year-old would, without any hesitation or without any um, complaining about it, he'd go ahead and help. What do you think about that? Well, I was impressed also because when he was picking up dolls and cars and things that he didn't pull out, but... He was so great to help our work be easier that evening. So we were impressed. And on that doll of our grandchildren, a lot of them do help every Sunday by cleaning up. And we appreciate that. Yeah. Way to go, Bo. I also wanted to um, shout out for our children when they have on-call teaching moments. We had two little renegades, Ari and Trey, who went in the backyard. Those are Julie and Alex boys. They went in the backyard and were a little mischievous, and they kicked our little lights that you have out in the yard, kicked the top of the lights off and just broke them. And one of the kids came in and, and told on them. And so Julie, of course, immediately goes out there. And you know Julie's strong well she goes out there and grabs them by the arm and said did you do that and of course they all said no and that's typical but uh she made them talk over and over and over she talked to them and said no we need to to settle this and make this right so she continued to talk to them and they continued to say no and they were worried and upset and then alex came in and started talking to them in a gentle way and they came sombering in up to me and said, I'm sorry, and they were a little teary and upset, and and I just put my arm around them and said I was sorry that it happened, that I still love them, and I'm grateful that they would come and talk to me about it. And then little Treyu, who just kind of jibber-jabbered the same thing, he came up and How old is sorry. he? Oh, he's two. And I couldn't really understand what he was saying, but he was trying in his two-year-old attempt. And Ari is? Four. So he's four. So they both came up, and, and I told Ari that he has a big brother 
had to be careful because Trey would watch everything he did and copy him. So I was grateful that parents just don't let it go and say, oh, they're just too young, they're too little, they don't know any, any better. But I was grateful that they took the time to have a teaching moment right there and then. So yeah, thanks. That was, that was good. Do you hear me talking to you across the water, across the deep blue ocean, under the open sky? Oh my, baby, I'm trying. John, I hear you in my dreams. I feel your whisper across the sea. I keep you with me in my heart. You make it easier when life gets hard. Hey. Well, for the for the rest of this uh, particular podcast, I, I'd like to take the time to share with you one of my major life events that's uh, really helped to shape me in so many different ways, and that uh, is in regard to my amputation. Since the time I've been a little boy, I've enjoyed uh, athletics. I always wanted to be an athlete, although I was uh, fairly average at most sports. I was a fast runner, and I, I, uh, I enjoyed football. I enjoyed uh, running uh, track. And anyway, that was just an important part of my life. I was grateful to be healthy and strong and uh, have abilities to do the things that I wanted to do. It was when I was a, a senior in high school that while I was playing football, I, I noticed that uh, I had a like a little BB-sized bump on my left leg between the knee and the ankle, right on that front bone called the tibia. And it was hard, BB-sized, and just under the skin. If you ran your fingers up and down your my bone, you could certainly feel that little bump. But it never hurt, and it didn't bother me, so I never really paid any attention to it. When I turned uh, oh, 18, 18 and a half, and I uh, graduated from high school, I knew that my, you know, my next... Uh, important part of life would be to go on a mission for the church. So I began, of course, preparing for that. And one of the things to prepare for that was to get a physical exam. I got that physical exam from um, a relative of mine, was a wonderful man, and uh, he was kind enough to do it for me. Uh, he knew that I was healthy and strong, and he checked me over, but he didn't really check my legs at all, and I never brought anything about my legs to his attention either. So uh, it was then that I, I uh, got my mission papers sent in and got a mission call uh, to the Southwest British Mission. And this was in eight, uh, uh, 1967. I was excited about going on uh, a mission. I wanted to go for not the greatest reasons, but uh, nevertheless, I wanted to go. And and um, and then I, we had our, our the night before I was going to go into the, the mission training center, uh, I was having dinner with my then girlfriend for what would be the last time. 
And while we were having dinner, I said something, and it was, I don't know, I have no idea what it was, but she kicked me under the table, and uh, it just happened to kick me right between uh, my uh, knee and my ankle where I had this little bump. But now, two years after when I first noticed it, it wasn't just a little BB-sized bump. It had grown uh, along the surface of my bone, maybe an inch and a half to two inches, and it was kind of irregular in the shape. So if you, you know, you ran your fingers up and down it, you could certainly tell that there was an irregularity in my bone there. Uh, that's where she kicked me, and it really hurt. I was just so surprised how much it hurt. And um, uh, as it happens, the, later that evening, down the street came a relative of mine, a Dr. Robert Matheson, uh, a second cousin to us, and we were in the same ward, lived on the same street. And he was bringing to me a, a gift, uh, knowing that I was going to go into the mission training center the next morning. So he brought uh, a triple combination to me. He happened to be a surgeon. And so when he came, I said, uh, uh, Bob, would you mind looking at this little bump on my left leg? I, I've I just had an incident tonight, and um, uh, my girlfriend kicked me there, and it really hurt. I was surprised about how much it hurt. He, he checked it over, and he said, John, you need to get that checked before you get in into the, um, the mission home tomorrow. So he actually said, you need to get an x-ray of it. And uh, my mom made arrangements to get an x-ray the next day. And so I went in and, and did that and then went into the uh, uh, mission home. Well, I don't remember anything that first day in the mission home, but I, um, throughout the next five days, while I was in the mission home, I was kind of in and out of the mission home, going uh, back to doctor's office, uh, up to the hospital, LDS hospital, um, having them checked, trying to determine just what it is that I had. And as we looked at it, or they looked at it, uh, they uh, finally made a determination that they wanted to get a second opinion on what they were finding. So they sent the, or they decided to do a, a biopsy, which is where they, they go in, they, they cut open the leg where that growth is and scrape off the growth or parts of it and sew me back up, and then they run tests on that growth, which they did uh, at LDS Hospital. And then they also sent the, um, I don't know, they sent the materials that they'd taken from my leg down to Stanford University and ran tests uh, there as well. Um, I, during all this time, then in and out of the hospital, in and out of the doctor's office, and in and out of the mission home, um, I was missing a fair amount of time in this important week prior to my going on a mission. And um, bless his heart, the, the mission home president wasn't very happy with me. He, he noticed that I was in and out, and of course he knew every time I left and when I got back. And um, I guess that he must have thought I was just sort of faking it and that I was looking for a way to have an excuse to not have to go on a mission. 
which wasn't the case at all, but I, I can see how it might have looked that way to him. Uh, I would sit on, uh, our training room was down in a large room in the basement of this uh, large building that uh, we were in, and, and I would sit on the stairs because I could keep my leg elevated after I'd had the biopsy um, so that the throbbing wouldn't be quite so painful. <laughs> Uh, and he he didn't like that very much. Anyway, one day uh, later in the week, he said to me, um, he said, Elder Jepson, if you had, uh, uh, well, it, it was, uh, I've seen a lot of young men uh, try to get out of going on missions, but you take the cake never seen anybody go quite to the extent that you're going to to get out of going on a mission and uh, if you'd have kept your mouth shut you'd have been able to go on this mission you wouldn't there wouldn't have been any problems and everything would have been just great i said I, look I, I i'm not faking this i i didn't ask for this certainly and uh, uh i'm just doing what the doctors are telling me to do with these tests and and uh, and visits so Anyway, it was, uh, that was during the week. Um, about, oh, I don't know, it was about Thursday of this week, and I'd been there since Monday. Now it's Thursday. We were to be set apart as missionaries. And uh, I got, along with some others, uh, I, um, designated to be set apart by Elder Paul H. Dunn. And Elder Dunn was one of the general authorities that I really loved because he was funny, he was down to earth, he understood youth, and uh, he, in all of his conference addresses, uh, I always listened to, and I just had a lot of really love and respect for him. And so when I got assigned to him to be set apart by him, I was really happy about that. I remember going into this room in uh, the building where the mission home was and um, I had a bandage on my leg from the biopsy that had been done the day before and he said to me uh, something wrong with your leg elder I said well yeah I got a I got a little bit of a problem explained to him what it was and he then proceeded to put his hands upon my head and uh, set me apart as a full-time missionary. And part of what he said, I can't remember the exact words, but a part of what he said was that uh, uh, things would work out well and I'd be able to go on my mission and serve honorably for our God. That was really comforting to me, that here a general authority in the church that has now given me this blessing that uh, I'd be able to go on my mission and I just figure every, everything would work out and I wouldn't be any delays and uh, all would be fine. Well, Saturday, two days later, I, I got uh, instruction from my mom to go up to the hospital and there uh, I would meet her and my oldest brother, Ed, who had come in from California um, and we were going to meet with a surgeon, an, uh, an orthopedic surgeon. So we go into his uh, office at the hospital, and he then proceeded to tell me that I had cancer. 
and that it, it was seriously malignant and that I had uh, a significant problem. As best as I recall, he said, look, we have uh, some options for you to consider. You're 19 years old. Uh, I'm sure you'll counsel with your mom, perhaps with your brother here, uh, as you come to a decision. But first off, you need to know you're not going to be going on a mission. The brother won't let you go at this point, not given uh, the uh, diagnosis that's been given. Um, but uh, in terms of what we do about this, you do have an option, and that is that we could consider uh, going into the your left leg. We could look to take the bone out between the knee and the ankle and take then go into the right arm, leg, and hip and take some bone material from there. I don't know all the technical medical terms, but the, what I heard was we would take the, those bone materials and mix it with some stuff and uh, try to fashion a bone that we could then place into your leg and uh, hope that over time that that might heal sufficient for you. It's not a great procedure. I don't recommend it. Um, the second alternative, of course, is you can do nothing. And if you do nothing, my my best professional guess is that uh, uh, you're not going to be alive in the next six months and um, that's just what you have to deal with here. The, the third alternative is that we can, uh, as soon as we can here, take you into the operating room and amputate your left leg and then uh, pray to God that you live. I remember that meeting so well because it just stunned me. I, I hadn't even thought about the possibility that I had cancer. I'd never considered that I would ever be in a prospect of being an amputee. It was just so uh, overwhelming to me, so frightening to me. Um, I never really... Uh, thought much about the prospects of dying that never really entered my mind honestly but becoming an amputee was uh, a major blow to me uh, another reason that it was is because I I had put uh, a fair amount of stock in my patriarchal blessing that my grandfather had given to me when I was 16 years old and part of what he said to me in that blessing was that I would be free from physical defects or infirmity. I had been grateful for that phrase in my patriarchal blessing because I read that to, and understood that to mean I would never have any kind of a, an amputation of an arm or a leg or otherwise. So this just hit me right between the eyes. I didn't know how to react to it. I was just so shocked. Uh, we went back to the mission home, gathered up my things. And I don't remember if I told the, the mission home president what it was or if my mother did, <coughs> but told him we were on our way back up to the hospital uh, because uh, they now had, had prepared uh, uh, a surgery date for me to be on Monday 
just 48 hours from uh, where we were. So the next day, Sunday, I remember you know, I was in the hospital doing the uh, surgery prep. And while I was in the hospital, I, I was, you know, uh, feeling sorry for myself and worried and uh, uh, just kind of downcast. And in the room walked uh, Elder Bruce R. McConkie. And at the time, um, he was a uh, member of the assistance to the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Very tall man, deep voice, um, really a remarkable individual. But he said, as he came in, he said, you're Elder Jepson? I said, yes, I am. I understand we had a problem. You're right, we do. Uh, we had some small uh, talk together, and then he said, would you like me to give you a blessing? I said, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of blessings in my life, and I, I've been grateful for them, but um, they, don't, they haven't always come to pass. I was thinking about my patriarchal blessing. And he said, uh, well, let me ask you again, would you like me to give you a blessing? I said, well, sure. So he came over to my bed and put his hands on my head and pronounced upon me a very nice blessing. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I do remember the essence, which was things will work out and uh, all will be to your best good. Well, that was somewhat comforting, um, but nothing specific about any healing or anything like that. Then uh, in my room, oh, I don't know, a half hour, an hour later, came Marion D. Hanks, another general authority of the church, and uh, kind of went through the same thing. You're Elder Jepson? Yes, I am. I understand you got a problem. Yes, I do. And uh, he, too, asked me if I'd like to have a blessing, and I said, sure. So he, he then gave me a blessing, and it was somewhat similar, although... Uh, you know, certainly different words, but I think the general tenor was basically, things will be well for you, John. Well, that day, that night, that Sunday night in that hospital room at LDS Hospital, I had five blessings. Uh, those two, my, my bishop came up and gave me one, my uh, stake president gave me one, my grandfather gave me one. And I... <laughs> I really was grateful for them. I felt with all of that priesthood power that uh, things would work out. Things would be fine, ultimately. Well, um, that was Sunday night. Preparation for the surgery was completed. And Monday morning, I remember the uh, nurse coming in and Oh, heaven forbid, put in an, a catheter that was embarrassing uh, for a 19-year-old. But uh, I really thought, as she was doing this, that there would be a miracle that would occur. I'd had all these blessings. I'd had my patriarchal blessing. I really thought that I'd get into this surgery room and they'd uh, cut into my leg and they'd see, oh my word, this this boy doesn't have cancer after all. It, it's a miracle. 
He's healed. And I recall as they were wheeling me uh, on the gurney down the hallway, I was looking up, I could see the lights in the ceiling as we were going down the hallway towards the, the uh, operating room. And, and the uh, catheter was working, so <laughs> I, I, I said to whoever was pushing me down, I said, oh, we gotta stop, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. And this nurse patted me on the arm and said, you already are. That's the last thing I remember until I woke up in the recovery room some time later and I felt for the first time a pain in my left leg that I had never felt before. Well, it was then that I obviously realized that they had amputated my left leg above the knee and uh, I, I was just so I was just so sad. I was so disappointed and and hurt and and um, afraid. Uh, I do remember my girlfriend's uh, face and taking my hand uh, somewhere in the in or about the recovery room or in my little bed shortly after. And I I remember feeling how is a a woman ever going to want me now that I only have one leg and that was. Uh, uh, honestly was a very real concern for me. And I, I don't remember uh, a lot about the first days in the hospital following the amputation um, because I was drugged pretty heavily to deal with the pain. But <clears throat> I do remember towards the end of the week as I was uh, getting you know, a little more off of the morphine that they had been giving to me and could think a little more clearly. And one day the surgeon came in and, and uh, we were talking and I, I asked him, I said, look, I, you know, I'm not particularly smart about medical matters, but I do know that cancer is serious and that I've got a, a, a serious problem. Would you be honest with me and tell me what my prognosis is? And essentially he said to me, look, John, be, because of your age and the way things looked in the lab results, um, the type of cancer you have, uh, the way things looked at the point of the surgery and all else, uh, I just have to be honest with you and tell you that I don't, uh, I don't think you have uh, long to live. And, and um, <laughs> I, I, I was stunned. I thought to myself, wait, wait a minute, how can this be? Ever since the time I've been a, a little boy, mom and dad, you taught me that if I am honest, if I pay my tithing, go to church, if I don't swear, if I live the word of wisdom, if I do things right, be a good boy, that God will bless my life, that he'll protect me and help me. Well, where is he? Why isn't he helping me? And I had a serious uh, problem at that point. I, I wasn't sure if my mom and dad had just kind of been um, fooled themselves in, as far as their belief in the church. But I personally had felt now betrayed and I'd been told, had all these blessings that nothing came about from any of it. I, I just was, I was in a period of... Uh, darkness and um, I do remember 
though one of the days I was there in the hospital, uh, that the mission home president that who had thought I had been faking, he and his wife came up to see me one day and uh, I remember him standing at the foot of my bed with his head down. I don't think I ever even made eye contact with him, but he, he, uh, he brought his wife and she came up to my bed, leaned down and put her cheek against mine and she just said, Elder Jepson, please forgive him. He doesn't know what to say. I, I felt so bad for him, um, but a little encounter that I'd never forgotten. I also had uh, someone come up to my hospital room that represented Elder Paul H. Dunn, the one who had set me apart as a missionary and told me I was going to be able to go on a mission, and now I'm being told I may not even live. But I was grateful for um, Brother Tuckett, who came and... Uh, at least represented Elder Paul Dunn uh, on my behalf here in a visit to the hospital. So those were, those days were difficult days for me. I, 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 uh, I didn't have any reason to believe in the church any further. Why should I? I'd been told all of these things from the time I'm a little boy that if you do all these things, God will you know, be a, part, a significant part of your life and bless you, but surely didn't seem to happen in my life, nor had it happened, in it seemed to me, in the life of my dad and my brother in circumstances that I will uh, I'll inform you of later. But I had a, a real faith strife, a struggle, a crisis at that point. And um, I... I I went through that in a period of darkness. I didn't want to tell my mother about it. Uh, I was afraid that she would worry about my salvation, and that's the last thing she needed to worry about. So I never told her or anybody else really of the dark feelings that I was having from a faith standpoint. Besides all the feelings of disappointment and uh, sadness and pity and all all of those things that I was feeling. So I remained in my uh, state of spiritual darkness for a period of time. Next week, an intervention by God on Notes from John with a babble from Vaughn. John, I hear you in my dreams. I feel your whisper. Across the sea, I keep you with me in my heart. You make it easier when life gets hard. Hey, lucky I'm in love with my best friend. Lucky to have been where I have been. Lucky to be coming home again.